Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Power blackouts. They happen every year, but guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. So all these, like, uh, judgments that I've had to, I don't want to say break through glass ceilings, but just slash away with my sword uh, has made me really resilient, uh, but also allowed me to tell people who don't care about what people assume you are, you know who you are, you'll get a chance, just be you, be centered, and wait, and you'll get your opportunity. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is the podcast dedicated to a premise that we're all brands. Every person today, every celebrity, every athlete, every company, every product, Every institution is a brand. The brand is a set of values. We do two things on the show. We have a big interview with somebody about their own personal brand. And today we have Vanessa Williams, uh, of course, for Miss America. She's on Broadway now. She's a brilliant actress, singer, dancer, uh, a uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful life story. We're going to talk to Vanessa Williams. And we also do what we call our uh, brands of the week, which are the brands that are kind of setting the agenda for what's going on in the world, which brands are up, which brands are down. Let's get right to it. First up, January 6th hearing. Uh, brand up. Uh, it's a, Their latest primetime session was a little bit of a drop-off, 17.7 million viewers. But uh, across the board, they've been averaging 13 million viewers. I've said it before on the show. I'll say it again. They've done a masterful job of telling a story, um, which is what this is about. And I believe they are going to have a profound effect on the future of this country. And, and I just, I've, they've gotten brand up many times on this, but I can't say enough that what a wonderful, wonderful job that they're doing. Brand, brand down for Josh Hawley, speaking of the January 6th. Uh, this is amazing. For Josh Hawley, Josh Hawley, the, the schmuck senator from Missouri, uh, who had his fist pumped, you know, on the day of January 6th, like, you go, go get him, was caught on, in, on tape 
They showed him, and it was actually the, the, the audience laughed, showing him running from the rioters, the very rioters in his part. But he was almost like prancing. The way he was, he was running like a frightened child. It wasn't even like just kind of like hurrying up a little bit. He was, he was just prance running. Uh, the guy, the tough guy, the fist pump guy, uh, just showing what a coward he was at the end of the day, like all the other rioters there. So a brand down for Josh Hawley. Brand up for Rupert Murdoch's newspapers, not Fox News, but his newspapers, the Wall Street Journal and uh, the New York Post have you know been very forthcoming about Trump and about the January 6th. I'm going to read from the Wall Street Journal editorial. The brute fact remains, Mr. Trump took an oath to defend the Constitution and he had a duty as commander-in-chief to protect the Capitol from mob attacking his name. He refused. And they go on and on and on. New York Post editorial, as followers stormed the Capitol, calling on his vice president to be hanged, President Donald Trump sat in his private dining room watching TV doing nothing. It's up to the Justice Department to decide if this is a crime. But as a matter of principle, as a matter of character, Trump has proven himself unworthy to be this country's chief executive again. So I think this is a little precursor of what's going to happen also with Fox News. I think they're not going to be behind Trump going forward. And I think if you don't have Fox News, you've got problems. And we're going to, that's, a, that's going to be a TBD. Brand down for U.S. businesses. Uh, only 10% of U.S. businesses have come out with a stance post Roe v. Wade. Um, a lot of businesses came forward when it came to issues of LG, LGBTQ rights, um, but they've been silent on abortion. It's too controversial for them. Uh, and I don't know, as I said, only 10% of companies have made a plan or plan to make a public statement about abortion in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade. And I think that's going to be interesting because I think, as I've said many times on the show, consumers today, particularly young consumers, want to hear where their companies stand on certain issues. And certain companies have come out very forcefully and said they will actually pay for uh, any of their employees who are in states uh, where it will be illegal to get an abortion to travel to states where it is illegal. And it's going to be interesting to see from a commerce point of view how businesses are affected by them coming out or not coming out uh, post Roe v. Wade uh, with a stance. Uh, brand down for the U.S. Army. I, that's put. I'm always brand down for the U.S. Army. I don't want to say it that way. Brand down for the recruiting of the U.S. They've been missing the recruiting goals for the first time by tens of thousands. The Army is forecasted to fall short of its recruiting and, and retention goals over the next two years by tens of thousands of troops. Top Army Lehman is warned of a memo released yesterday. Um, it could it basically end the fiscal year with 446,000 soldiers, which should be understrength by at least 7,000. So they've got to figure something out there. We obviously need the recruits. And, and once again, can't say enough. And I excuse the slip by saying brand up for the U.S. Army. We're always a brand up for our, our friends in armed services. I'm just in awe every time I see somebody in uniform thinking what they do and how they put their life on the line for us. Brand up for the FCC. FCC is cracking down on auto warranty robocalls. This is great. The Federal Communications Commission is taking aim at a group of individuals accused of sending more than 8 billion spam calls since 2018. Um, the U.S. telecom providers will now be required to block millions of illegal robocalls advertising extended vehicle warranties. I know we've all gotten them, so yay, FCC. Brand down for monkeypox. Uh, brand up for monkeypox, I guess, if you're monkeypox. Uh, WA World Health Organization has declared monkeypox a global health emergency. And the only thing I want to say there is, you know, it's still not catching on in the media as uh, as the last pandemic did. We've got to keep, once the World Health Organization declares something a global health emergency, it is. It says more than 16,000 cases have now been reported from 75 countries and territories with five deaths and um, scary stuff. So brand up for monkeypox. Brand down for social media advertising. It's a, this is interesting harbinger. 
Snap, Twitter sparked new fields of broader advertising market decline. Snap and Twitter announced poor quarterly results in July, renewing concerns for broader slowdown in the online market, which tells me that this is, this is a little bit of a harbinger of recession because if social media advertising is down, traditional advertising media is going to be weighed down because that's the growth engine. That's where all the money's been going. That's where you can see ROI. That's, the I think, the last thing that you're going to cut. And the fact that it's that it's it's trending downward is not a good sign for advertising in general. And advertising is an indicator about recession. Brand down for Elon Musk, two reasons. One, there was a shirtless picture of him in Mykonos on Ari Emanuel's yacht. And as opposed to uh, Jeff Bezos' shirtless picture years ago, which showed a very buff billionaire. This is a very unbuff billionaire. Yet, at the same time, we have news breaking that he was having an affair with uh, Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google, his woman. So sleazy guy that he is, Elon Musk. As time goes on, this becomes a more and more unlikable character. Certainly, his shirtless photo is not going to help his brand. Brand down for Vince McMahon. The uh, CEO, the crea- basically the creator of WWE, is stepping down as chairman of CEO. This is after uh, Wall Street Journal report revealed the investigation into a secret $3 million settlement given by McMahon to a former WWE paralegal. That's a big settlement. So something fucking went down there. But what this is going to affect the WWE, what people don't understand, I, I, I promoted one of my old shows was doing a promo because the WWE was leading into one of my TV shows on USA Network. And I remember going down there and shooting like a little promo. And like Vince McMahon signs off on every script. Everything you see, every night, not you see, not that you're watching WWE every night, but I've never seen a more hands-on executive in the creation. And this is a big circus, WWE. It's it's, it's brilliantly scripted, whether you like it or not. You you have to marvel at the, 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 um, uh, the production. They do about 230 of these live shows a year and they wrap up their tents and they go to the next city. And Vince McMahon is there writing every script, is not writing, certainly signing off, even promos. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch the WWE as a business. Brand up for Pat Benatar. She's dropped Hit Me With Your Best Shot from her concerts in deference to gun violence, gun violence, gun violence victims. And that's like one of her, if not her biggest hits, but she's just not going to play it anymore. She says, I'm sorry, in deference to the victims and the families, of these mass shootings, I'm not singing it. I tell them, if you want to hear the song, go home and listen to it. So good for you, Pat Benatar. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to save lives, but that is a very kind of right spirit thing. Brenda for Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce, who was in, uh, best known for his act in The Wire, is going to be, he's going to be in the death of a salesman. He's the first black Willie Loman ever to, be on Broadway coming this fall. So just like we've got a black Superman coming, we've got a black Willie Loman in Death of the Salesman. And that's just got to be a good thing. Um, Arthur Miller's classic relay, re, uh, classic Death of a Salesman is coming back Broadway this fall. Brand down, I think, for Disney. This, I, I think we might be going a little too far here. Disney is swapping fairy godmother roles in the parks for gender-neutral Apprentice. So did, follow me on this one. Disney's famed Bibbidi D Bibbidi D Boutique gets a more neutral title. Boutique cast members who help children dress as their favorite Disney characters will now be called Fairy Godmothers Apprentices instead of Fairy Godmothers in Training to allow workers who do not identify as women to be part of the magic. I don't know. I, 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 I shouldn't say brand down. I don't know what I say, but that's what Disney's doing. Uh, so I'll change my brand down to a brand neutral in celebration, I guess, of what they're doing here. But I don't know, getting a little crazy. Um, 
Toys R Us brand up. Toys R Us shops, of course, they've been they've disappeared. They've gone out of business. But Macy's is bringing back Toys R Us shops for Christmas. Some of them will be a thousand feet. Some of them will be ten thousand feet. But Toys R Us, Jeffrey the Giraffe will live again. So brand up for Toys R Us. Brand down for socks. Why do I say this? Because there's now a four hundred twenty pair dollar of socks. You could buy a pair of socks for four hundred. So I don't know if it's brand down for socks. Brand down for four hundred twenty million. $420 socks. That's right. That's a Gucci and Adidas are doing a uh, a collaboration uh, in shoes and other things. And part of their sock collaboration is going to have $400 socks. So there you go. I don't know what to say about that. Brenda for Heinz, they're coming out with spoon-shaped French fries. They're called spoon fries and they're you get seven in a box and they're shaped like spoons so you can get more ketchup on. I love that. I love that. And finally, brand up again for Velveeta. Um, we talked a lot, not a lot, we talked a few weeks ago about Velveeta becoming a lifestyle brand and they were doing cheese-scented nail polishes. Now they're going further by partnering with BLT Restaurant Group to serve Velveeta martinis. That's right. For $15, a BLT steak in Washington or a BLT Prime in New York, you get Velveeta-infused vodka, olive brine and vermouth garnish with a cheese drip, Velveeta stuffed olives and jumbo Velveeta shells and cheese. Yuck. I don't know. Did I give him a brand up? I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. And finally, no, one more. I'm sorry, we got one more. Subway. Brand, brand up for Subway. Offering free sandwiches for life for fans who get a foot-long tattoo. That's right. Anyone who agrees to get a foot-long tattoo of a 12-inch by 12-inch logo of their sternum on their sternum or back will receive free sandwiches for life. The person will receive 50000 worth of gift cards every year. And if that's what you want to do to get free Subway sandwiches, God bless you. And the world, one more one more question about Western civilization in general. And those are our brands of the week. Now, here's my interview with the great Vanessa Williams. I am thrilled at today's guest on our brand, uh, Vanessa Williams. I could do a half-hour introduction on Vanessa. Uh, I, I'm going to shorten it by saying that other than being a uh, multiple Emmy nominee, multiple Tony nominee, multiple Grammy nominee, author, star of New Broadway show we're going to talk about, uh, voice of the brown M&M, which I, I just <laughs> was my kind of favorite thing in your resume, former Miss America, um, entertain, entertainer du jour, uh, mom, uh, very kind of uh, influential person in our culture in the last 30 years or so. Vanessa Wiggins, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow. Nice intro. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you got, you've had a nice life. It's interesting. I, you know, I, I've followed you as a fan. Do you remember you did my show, The Big Idea, years ago? I don't know if you remember that on CNBC. Yes, yes okay. I, I do. So, so um, but what is interesting is I can't think of anybody that's had a range of work like you as an entertainer. It is just, I mean, you, you with a capital E, that is, I, as I said, you just go from singing, dancing, acting, voiceovers, uh, author, I, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And it's proof that uh, you never know when it's going to happen and you have to be creative and cre courageous when it comes in. You know, courage and, and courageousness has been kind of a, a cornerstone through your, your entire life. Uh, just, you know, uh, going back to winning Miss America and then the, the death threats that came, the racist death threats that came uh, in your book. You talk about, you know, being molested as a child and you talk about their abortion early in your life. And you had a lot of obstacles. I do. I've, I've had a lot of obstacles, but the older I get, the more mature I get. I realize that so many people 
have had similar struggles and uh, it's wonderful when you can connect. I mean, it'll be 40 years next September when I was back when I was 20 years old and my life completely changed as a uh, a junior, uh, you know, wanting to go away from my junior year abroad in London. And, uh, you know, life's plans, you never know what's going to happen. But um, it, it's been, uh, the, again, the older I get, I'm 59 now, and I look back at my life and um, I'm where where I wanted to be. I'm on Broadway. This is what I planned on as a teen. I knew that it was going to be a tangible goal. If I worked hard enough, I could take the train into the city and do a good audition and get on a Broadway show. But to actually not only be on Broadway, but to have like experiences with Stephen Sondheim, who just passed away, and James Lapine, who's a good friend who I just had dinner with, and you know Bernadette Peters, who I just saw at Broadway Barks, and have relationships with these people that I idolized and worshipped and never thought that they would become friends. That's that's the thing that that trips me out. You know, working with Cicely Tyson and remembering that when I was a, a, a child sitting on my parents' bed and watching Sounder and watching the Diary of Miss, Diary of Miss Jane Pittman and, and seeing that stellar work and then getting a chance to work with her every night on Broadway, you know, uh, in, in 2013 and, and 2014 when we did Broadway that we also did LA and we also did um, uh, uh, Boston. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that, those are the kind of things that make me want to pinch myself because my dreams have come more of a, rea more of a, a reality than I ever could have thought about. Yeah, what, there's, a, there's a great line. I can't remember the movie now where, where somebody said, oh, it was in, in broadcast news where William Hurt says, to Albert Brooks, what do you do when your real life expectations and dreams have surpassed your your actual? And he goes, you keep it to yourself. <laughs> You've been very very lucky. You uh, yeah. interesting childhood. You uh, from your kind of uh, point of view, you were the, probably the first uh, African American girl who went from kindergarten to high school in Chappaqua, New York. We think, uh, you know, we don't know any others. And um, we moved in in 1964. We were the first black family to move into Millwood, which is adjacent to Chappaqua, all part of the Newcastle, uh, town of Newcastle. And, uh, you know, when I, when I again, when I think back, um, you know, my parents really lived the American dream. They were both, my dad was from Long Island, from Oyster Bay, uh, you know, not a not a lot of money that he came from. My mother was from the inner cities of Buffalo, um, and both of them got educated. Both of them went to college. Both of them got their masters. Both of them decided to to teach and and raise a family in in Westchester while they taught. Uh, they owned property in Manhattan. That was a rental. They owned property in and the Poconos. They had. Um, property uh, in, in uh, up by Lake George and uh, off Sable Acres uh, and, and got a chance to put their two kids through college. So it was an opportunity that really, you know, I'm not the first kid in my, my, my school to, to go to college. My parents both have masters and both me and my brother do not have masters. So they really- You were down, one of the rare downwardly mobile yuppies, right? I mean, not yuppies, <laughs> uh, baby boomers, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's, 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 that's so, um, you know, I, I, again, it's it's um, it was the right time, the right choices, and um, and the value of education is what was paramount in our household. You, uh, as a kid, how did you get into first performing? I mean, how did, what was the what was the first Vanessa Williams kind of like entree into the stage? Well, I was always dancing. My mom put me in dance class probably in, in I don't know when I was four or five. 
And um, and me and my brother and my cousins, we would always kind of do shows after we would have dinners and then set up chairs and always do like a show, you know, go on the, the hearth of the fireplace and sing along with whatever record was popular. Uh, so performing was very easy in our household. Of course, my parents are music teachers, so we always uh, got a chance to play our instruments and sing. And it was kind of not expected, but it wasn't unusual. And um, I think it was when I was in probably the first time I, I have dance recitals all the time, but the first time I started doing musical theater was I think in fourth grade when uh, we were studying Greece and we ha- our project was to do a, uh, a play, a student written play. So we wrote the play and I wrote a song with some other school kids uh, called Where Out There, Men of Greece. And I got my recorder out and sang and then played recorder. along. And then of course, choreographed a recorder. Exactly. Jesus. And then choreographed a dance and danced with a, a toga that I had made from some sheets that I decorated. So uh, I always knew that I loved to perform. Uh, so it started young, but then I I continued to dance, of course, was in marching band and chorus and concert band and orchestra. But when I was in high school and started getting um, lead roles and doing summer theater, and I was like, this is easy for me. And then I realized I could actually major it in co- major in musical theater in college. You went, in to, Sy- you went to Syracuse, like, right? You went to Syracuse, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had gotten into, you know, Carnegie Mellon and NYU and CalArts. And my parents like, we want you close. You're going to Syracuse. Is that part of Newhouse, the, the musical, the, the the arts, or it's a separate school? It, it, Krauss. It's part of Krauss okay, College, okay, which is the, okay. the, the arts school. The arts school, yeah. okay, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of uh, easy for me to transition. My parents were not, they never said, uh, get a real job. They recognized my talent. Yeah. But they said, you're going to have to, you know, do the work and, and get educated and we'll support that. How did the whole pageant thing come about? The pageant thing came out. The pageant, when, uh, the so pageant freshman, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. When, uh, when your freshman year uh, of, as a musical theater major at Syracuse is your core year, you're just studying. So you're taking piano lessons and voice lessons and, uh, you know, and, and construction, Seth construction, all these cool things. And sophomore year, that's when you're allowed to uh, audition for shows. So the first thing I auditioned for was a, um, a musical review called Swingin' on the Star, which Aaron Sorkin was in. Aaron Sorkin was a musical theater major at Syracuse wow. University, by wow. the way. Wow, yeah. wow. So he was in it, um, and it was a, a kind of a, a review of Jimmy Van Heusen's songs. So, uh, you know, like Pocket Full of Miracles, and uh, <laughs> I, I sang Love is Lovely the second time around. Um, and then from that, the, the next show was... Um, a golden Apple, and I got into that. And then I did a show called um, Down at the Landmark Theater, um, Heart and Soul, which was a um, another review. And I auditioned for the Syracuse Stage is the rep theater up there. And I auditioned for, um, there was a production of Cyrano de Bergerac, and I got the part of it of The Orange Girl, which is a small role, but it would have gotten equity points for me to start my points to be an equity, um, you know, equity member on stage. And it was in April, and um, the um, the show got canceled. And through each show that I did, I had a friend who was a classmate, and he knew somebody who was on the board of the Miss Greater Syracuse pageant. And he kept saying, you know, my friend wants to know whether you want to do this pageant or not. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I had April free, and I called my mom. I said, do you think I should do this Miss Greater Syracuse patch? And she's like, is there money? I said, yes, do it. <laughs> so my parents didn't even come up because I'd gotten scholarships the past, the previous two years. But, you know, every everything helped 
to for you know against the the tuition. And so I won uh, Miss Greater Syracuse in April, and I sang a song that I did in performance class. My buddy played piano. I bought a swimsuit down at Sibley's downtown in Syracuse, <laughs> and I was a dancer, so I was in great shape. And so I won Syracuse in April. Then I went to States, sang the same song. My friend played the same, you know, same song and piano. And then I won States in July. And then I was on my way to Atlantic City that uh, September, switched my song, uh, got some some uh, better clothes, and uh, the the pageant director was kind of grooming me, and I ended up winning, you know, Miss America that September, and I was supposed to go to London to to start my you know London my my year abroad over there, uh, so I had already had my down payment there, my 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 girlfriend, my roommate was already waiting for me, so I had no idea. I mean, I knew that I had the stuff to happen, make it happen. But right. in 1983, there had never been a woman of color to to win. That's, and you were 19, 20 years old. I mean, you were a kid. 20 years old. 20 years, 20 years old. You, so you get home that night. You got. I guess you take your crown home. Uh, <laughs> well, you don't. No, you don't even go home. Oh, you they, 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 oh, they, they, oh. They, they take you on the tour at that point. You're, that's yeah, yeah. It. yeah. I didn't yeah. make it. I didn't make it home again till I think October or so, right. for maybe a, a day or so, and then maybe it was Thanksgiving. But you're on the road every other but day. But what do you? What would, what's going through? I, I mean, you crown Miss America the the most. I mean, what adjective to use? The most beautiful, most talented, the uh, most. Uh, ideal, the idealistic, idealistic <laughs> young woman in America is Miss America. So what's what's going through your head as a kid? Well, you got to think of the age, the time though. It was we're not talking the 1950s where you know Burt Parks is sure. saying and there she is, right. Miss America. This is '83. Burt Parks wasn't even part of the pageant. Being viewed for your looks was not the ideal that the women's right had moved so so far ahead for. And um, so that's why I never thought it would happen because I never thought that I was a pageant girl, nor did I ever aspire to be Miss America. Um, so when it did happen, it was kind of a real um, a comeuppance with my personal views on who I was. I mean, I was the first Miss America to say I was pro ERA. I yeah. got heat from the get-go. It's amazing. Uh, from the first night because I was, you know, asked about my opinions and I was very free about my freedom of choice. Uh, do I think the ERA should go uh, ahead? Um, Geraldine Ferrara, fantastic. I'm glad a woman is is finally running. So these were very um, outspoken and sometimes uh, not welcomed um, views from Miss America. So I, the, the, the writing was on the wall from the get-go. <laughs> and also, yeah, going down south, I mean, Growing up in New York, and you know, it's different. About- yeah, you know, I mean, for New York, for you, the first woman to call Miss America was a, was a great non-event in New York, and mm-hmm. parts of the, chunks of this country, you were like the devil. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, we yeah, we don't yeah, yeah. we don't we we live in two countries. So, POTUS, obviously, you 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 play uh, Margaret, the first lady. I, I love the kind of the, the full title, uh, POTUS, or behind every great dumbass or seven women trying to keep him alive, which basically yes. it takes place <laughs> in the White House, but you could use that for. Basically, any CEO in this country, it, it's interesting. <laughs> yes. I, I've written several books. In one of my books, I have a, ch- a chapter called The Female Superiority Doctrine. And it comes from my company when I was running my ad agency, eight of my 10. And this was goes back to the 80s and the 90s and two, early 2000s. 
And eight of my 10 senior partners were women. And that was the reason I was so successful. That I think women are superior to men. I could go for a half hour into why. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I don't say that to gain points. I say that just pure. I learned there's a meritocracy. The, The simple reason is, from my vantage point, is that every man I've managed my life, they're so much more focused on how big their paycheck, how big their office is, how big their everything is, where women are truly collaborative and they want to do the thing. I'm generalizing, of course, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, they, we are weaker in that we bring so much more emotional baggage and insecurity mm. to the table. And that's what I just found from working with thousands of people over here. I didn't, I wasn't born that way. I didn't grow, I grew right. up with a very strong mother and strong sister, but yeah. um, it's interesting, but it's kind of an underpinning as you've got amazing cast, you know, uh, Rachel Dratch, Julie White, Lily Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, Juliana Huff, uh, Susan Nakamura, I, and you guys all mm-hmm. are orbiting around a, a doofus uh, president, and you are <laughs> yes. the 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 first, <laughs> I'm and, the first lady. And all you need to hear about the show, the first word is the c word in the show, and that, yes. uh, probably the, I'm going to say I'm going to go on a limb and say <laughs> in the history of Broadway, that's the first time that that happened. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the first time that's happened. It's the first time that there's been an all-female farce, uh, which has been fantastic. Wow, the audience has loved wow, it. Right. It's very physical comedy. Susan Stroman is our director and is is brilliant. But, uh, you know, it's been wonderful to be a, a, a maverick in this genre, but also the, the Gloria Steinem came to see us. Uh, 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 Jane Fonda came on Sunday recently, wow. uh, but um, when when Hillary Clinton came, uh, there is a uh, in in the one of the first scenes in the in the um, in the first act, I'm being interviewed as first lady by one of our White House reporters, and I'm talking about my accolades. You know, undergrads, uh, Stanford, then Harvard. You know, um, law firm. I ran my husband's campaigns, and I also had my book, my cookbook, my gallery. Uh, I, I do taekwondo. You know, proficient in everything. And she says, "Wow, why aren't you president?" And I, my response is, "That's the eternal question, isn't it?" Yeah. So normally, it gets a laugh, and we go, Ugh, "Anyway," uh, because we're overqualified and easily can do it. And then at that moment, while Hillary was sitting in the audience, everyone stood up, turned to her and started wow. to applaud. Oh man, you, you, must have, you must have felt like crying at that moment. That I I would have paid a lot to have been there that night. That That's just yeah, amazing. It, it was just, oh my God, what's happening? And can you feel the love in the room? And then it's like, what more do we have to do and accomplish to get the job? And that's kind of the underpinning of like, we are all multitasking, we're all completely overqualified to do all of our jobs. All of us are uh, equipped to be the next president. And why isn't it happening? Um, uh, we do it in fun. What always, we'll, we'll get back to, to the show and say, what always astounded me about Hillary, and I know Hillary not well, but I, I've met Hillary numerous times over the years, is how many women how many women had issues with with Hillary and how many women have issues with women in power and how a woman in power, and this, this goes through across the board, whether it's a CEO or a president, has to approach using that power so differently than a man. It, 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 and we're still yeah. in the year, of course, we are, we're going backwards in so many ways, but still in the year 2022, we're still there. Yeah, it's still the likability factor. Well, yeah. is she likable? Well, yeah. you know, is she going to be friendly? Well, and is she nice enough? And, uh, you know, forget all the achievements. It's the likability factor that uh, is infuriating 
most of the time. The president is is a tremendous doofus. Were we inspired by our by uh, our forty fifth president at all? Or how, was that is that a kind of an underpinning? Because I know also there's a lot of homage to the various first ones. You wear a headband in in one act as Hillary. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, there's yeah. there's pieces of the different first ladies in there. Yeah. And how much yeah. of 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 the president is 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 pre- former president douchebag Trump? Well. Uh, <laughs> well, Selena Fillinger, who wrote it, is 28 years old. She started writing this five years ago uh, as a part of a, a, a playwrights project at Princeton University. And that's when she did her first workshop. She didn't want to make uh, the president one specific person because there are many um, acts that are talked about in the show that can be uh, cover many different presidents and what their mm-hmm. behavior was. So it's not just uh, 45. And um, uh, and that's what's freeing because it's not about one person. It's about people trying to spin something that makes the their day go crazy, uh, which is this this uh, the C word, which is basically he's describing um, to the press that his wife was having a cunty morning. And that basically starts the entire that's, day that she wasn't at an to- event and she actually was at the event. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you've met so, five, you've, um, you've met five first ladies yourself. I have. Any I have. any threads? Any? It, it's so. I mean, they're all so different and and whatnot. But anything? Just your net takeaway? Okay, I've met five first ladies. Finish that sentence. Uh, and they all have to be uh, incredibly um, gracious, and um, I would have to say regal, um, and um, and there's a lot of damage that they got to cover. Um, which is basically what I think it shows in the in the show that um, spinning stuff and uh, what the truth is, what happens behind the scenes, and what the optics are, are something that I think every administration has to go through. The what really happened and what they're going to tell the people. You met Nancy Reagan when you after you won the crown. You were invited to a state dinner at the White House. What was your take on Nancy? Uh, she was lovely and she uh, was very gracious. I mean, I remember standing in line and Paulson was there, Martha Graham was there, Ginger Rogers was all standing in the receiving line with me. And it was just at 20 years old, it wow. blew my mind. I yeah. mean, what am I doing here at the White House? Yeah. You know, within a month of becoming famous, and it was incredible. Um, and um, so she was very regal. He was wonderful. He he called me the night that I won at my my hotel room wow. after I had finished uh, my my walk, and he said it was a great thing for our country, which was uh, amazing. Uh, and then after I went through the receiving line, and there was you know the the cocktail reception, and I really went alone, so I had no one really to talk to. And um, the Bushes and Colin Powell kind of talked to me all night and made me feel amazing. And and uh, we talked about dancing. You know, Colin Powell used to dance uh, as as uh, in, in Roseland Ballroom and talking about salsa with him and growing up in the Bronx. And then the the Bushes were wonderful and uh, and warm and inviting. So that was a lovely entree to the the White House and my experiences. The I, I always wonder in theater, uh, as I'm watching and, and thinking that you have to, I'm going to use the term, kind of get it up every night. Every night you're doing, it's the same show. Obviously, it's different every night. But how mm-hmm. do how do you get, once again, because, you know, somebody's sitting in a theater and they're watching, it's their one experience, and yet you've, you're doing yeah. eight, eight a week. Um mm-hmm. 
What's the method? What's the what? How do you rally for that <laughs> night after night? And keep it fresh for yourself. No, you know the, the, the yeah. The method is fresh coffee. As soon as yeah. I walk in, I said, "Where's the coffee? Do you have any brewing?" And then it's honestly, it's like once you hit that stage, you could be dragging backstage. We can be groaning. Ugh, here we are. The audience could be non-responsive, but you gotta get through it, and you kind of rely on each other to give your each other that that amazing energy to get through the show and you find it eventually and even if the audience isn't into it as much as you'd like them then you find the humor within yourself and the other ensemble to kind of make it fun so uh it's a family how has it been different with an all-female ensemble i i mean what you you've been in so many different th- uh, theater iterations so many different productions whether it's a television movie or whatnot Probably, I'm going to guess this is the first time it's exclusively female, and the playwright's a woman, and the director's a woman. So, mm-hmm. what's how? What any kind of different? What's the net net takeaway for you? Saying, ah, now I've worked with so many collaborations with so many people. They're always just, you know, obviously mm-hmm. men and women because that's the way things usually shake yeah. out. What's been different yeah. here? Well, the rehearsal process, uh, having a, a, a entirely female um, uh, rehearsal. Um, or area where nobody was male, there was a sense of um, kind of um, safety, you know, where you could fail, you you weren't being judged, you you didn't care what you were wearing. Um, So it was that kind of sorority kind of mentality where it was, it it felt very, very, very safe and unusual for me because I've never ever been in an experience like that. Even, you know, even if there's an all-female cast, there's, the DP is usually sure. male. There's always male grips and booms and all that. Well, is stuff the, fe- on, is on the crew set. is the crew all female? No. Well, not not the not the crew, but like our we had uh, lighting designer was female. Um, the the sound designer was the crea- female. all the creators, it, all the creators, all yeah. the creatives. So yeah. in our in our little space, everybody was female. So it was without with the exception of Bail with uh, Brett, who did our uh, he just he did our, our our set, but he only was there to build, and then he left. So there was a sense of safety, um, and uh, and it was unusual because I've never I don't have a sister, um, so I you know I'm, I don't belong to a sorority. I'm not in any girls group, so um, I've always had had collaborative men, and I love men. I am not like a, a male right. hater, and <laughs> so you know, so um, it, it's uh, it's uh, it was unusual. Um, and now that I've been with my my band of gals for so long, um, it's it's really comforting. How how old are your kids now? Melanie is thirty five. Jillian just had a baby. She's thirty three. My son is twenty nine. And Sasha, who's I just finished shooting a movie with her uh, on Monday. She's twenty two. What? How do you explain to a twenty two year old? What's going on now in the world? How we're going backwards? How do how do you you know she when she turns to she obviously she's an adult but still a young adult. What's the mother prescription when when they turn to him? How is this happening? I, I mean you you this is this is to me I, I don't how is this, how is this possible? What's what's her explanation? She's on fire, which I'm yeah. glad she is, and she is uh, eager to soak up all the knowledge that she can. She asks lots of questions. She listens to. Uh, a lot of opinions, and uh, and she's opinionated. So she's a fighter, and I think that's been wonderful for women to be set on fire because we never thought in our lifetime, no. at least for me, that things would go backwards instead of moving forward. So um, she has, she's fine. It's acceptable for her to be outraged, and uh, you know they are on fire to vote. 
which I remember, you know, when I was her age at 22, I was working, you know, I, yeah. I kind of didn't do my due diligence in terms of voting the way I should have. But now these these kids are on fire. How'd we get here? How'd we, I just want your point of view. You know, I, this show, I do I, a lot of politicians, a lot of business people, a lot of authors, mm-hmm. a lot of entertainers. And I kind of ask the same question to everybody because if you would have looked into a crystal ball 10, 15, 20 years ago, and describe the kind of president that we had and describe the state of the union right now in terms of what's going on with guns, what's going on with Roe v. Wade, what's going on with January 6th. It, you would say, if somebody was pitching it all in a script, you go, it's too big. Now it's too broad. Pull it back. It, 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 it's just not believable. So how, yeah. did we, how did we get here? Fear, fear mongering, fear, fueling the fear. That's, you know, and, and when people don't know the... Uh, when they're, with, well, I don't say when they're not worldly, but um, fear is a, is a great deterrent to not move forward at all uh, about anything and to hate what you don't know. Um, and again, my perspective of being born and raised in New York and having a much different uh, experience in my lifetime, you know, working with, not only working, you know, being surrounded by uh, LGBTQ people that I've grown up with to, um, to have rights that... Um, uh, are available to me and my children uh, that were not were denied to my mom in her lifetime, and we fought for them and got them. Um, you know, it's all about fear and all about like inact- inactivity. I mean, again, when we talk about a said president, uh, well, my attitude was okay. Well, it can't be that bad, mm-hmm. and then it got worse and worse. Yeah. Like, well, the, the hate can't continue that much. It can't get worse than this, and then you know, you end up having. You know, in Chappaqua, a sign for Black Lives Matter was set on fire in front of the Quaker Community House on Route 133. This is Chappaqua. Chappaqua. This is not Mississippi. This is Chappaqua. This is is a liberal enclave, you know, 45 miles or whatever, 50 miles north of Manhattan. Yeah. Another black family. Home of the the Clintons. Yeah. 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 Another black family from Chappaqua who's lived there for 40 years, whose kids went to the same school that I went. They had a blue Lives Matter sign spray painted onto their their driveway, and you know they did nothing. Uh, and this is again the fear of of change and the the division that you talked about in the very beginning uh, is heartbreaking, but it's also something that has been um, a big rally for many youths that, you know, are, that are my kids. Did you have to have the talk with your son that that most uh, black parents have to have with their mm-hmm. son that I don't, I didn't have to have with my son? Uh, yeah. and, and talk to me about that. Yet again, even in Chappaqua, where, you know, it's, it's considered an affluent community, uh, I would have to tell my, my son, Dev, and I said, you know, if you're with a group of kids, they're going to be able to spot you. So you got to make sure you do you know, you don't get into any trouble because you're going to be the first one to be identified. And we also know people, we know the cops in Chappaqua. So we've been able to identify our kids and say, Rick Tolliver, just so you know, this is my son. Yeah. So you know, so everybody knows yeah. he's he belongs here. And, and that's the unfortunate thing that you have to do as a black mother. Yeah. Even in Chappaqua. Even in Chappaqua. So how are you feeling yeah. now, 59? How, how's it going? For, how, take me and so what you, you're, you've got so much going on. You, I mean, I didn't get to so much stuff. Your HSN, your clothing line, your, yeah. you're singing in the Super Bowl. I, I mean, it's just like you, 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 you just got so much going on. How are you feeling now if you're going to kind of do a audit on, okay, Vanessa Williams, this is how I feel at, 40, at 59? 
Uh, I'm anxious to be 60 because it's another whole decade. 60 fucked me up. I'm 64. I I was all good and great at 57 and 58. 60 kind of threw me a little bit also. It really did. (laughs) Well, I'm going to be somewhere exotic, either on safari or some some adventure where I can uh, just enjoy and do something adventurous, which I love. And it's just time to like do what I want to do as opposed to feeling like, and I thought, I think the, the pandemic and like just shutting down for two years allowed you to kind of weave through. I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable that that's not me and, and help me kind of scrape away what I really didn't want to have to do and didn't want to do and didn't need to do. And it, it would always come back. So like, I'm going to wait for my music when I really want to do music. And when I find a great collaborator that speaks to me as opposed to, Oh my God, it's been nine years. I got to crank out a new album because it's too late, you know? So I kind of let the the schedule kind of disappear and uh, and just maintain good health, man. That's the thing. You know, I, 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 so, I don't know if you find this with your friends. It's like I find so much, it's like a, a bad parody of your life where we talk so much more about health and staying healthy and staying young. I, I just, funny, I had, this is very topical in my head. I just had my yearly physical today. And I was convincing to the doctor that like, oh yeah, I'm 64 and this and <laughs> my back hurts. And uh, well, yeah. like it, it just, it catches up no matter how hard you fight it. Yeah. It just yeah. catches up with you. It just does. It's, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, yeah. and you also start, I don't know if you feel this way, when you realize that like, you're not the target of anything anymore, the oldest advertising demo is 25 to 54. Like we're not, mm-hmm. nobody sells us anything anymore. We don't, we don't count. <laughs> we, we just, we don't register anymore. And yet I still feel like there's so much ahead of me and I don't know you well, yeah. but just in chatting with you, I, I could tell you feel the same way. Uh, absolutely. And um, yeah, I understand completely the body thing where uh, you bend over, your your knees are like, ow, how did I do that? And what's happening? And you start limping and like, did I sleep wrong? Is my neck, what is it? What's the issue? So I get it, um, but I'm, I'm happy to still be here. And the biggest thing I think for this anti-aging beauty thing for women, that's where we're being targeted. Anyone who's 50, yeah. even 40 plus, it's all like, these are the products that will get rid of wrinkles. This is what's going to do to tighten your skin. What machine do you have here? What does this laser do here? And you start ending up getting like, I've got to do something soon. Everyone's doing 50 plus. I got to do something soon. And then you look at other people that have gone through some procedures and you go, oh my God, they don't look like themselves. No. I don't I, want that I, to happen I don't to get me. that. You, I mean, you, you're, you're so naturally beautiful and you look amazing. What I don't get <laughs> is the women who do that stuff. They don't look younger. They just look fucked up. I, I, and and yeah. I don't, don't they have, I always wonder, don't they have loved ones that talk to them? Because that stuff doesn't help <laughs> happen overnight also. You know what I mean? The, the, the women that have yeah. had the crazy work done, it's usually not one thing and it's over a period of time. And don't they have children and spouses and parents and, and dear friends that can talk? I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm sure, I'm sure they do, but that's that pressure of being seen, being in front of the lens um, and, you know, even with Zoom calls back in the, the the past couple of years, you turn on the camera and you're like, oh my God, where's the filter? Oh, geez, oh, get, me, get the angle, make sure the light's okay. Because you're seeing yourself, you know, much more closer and you're seeing yeah. the reality of your age. Well, so you got to make a choice. You know, do you age gracefully or do you do something and hope that you can maintain looking like yourself? What's cool about you is, is it's, you know, this show's, the whole premise of this show is that everybody and everything is a brand. And because you came onto the national, your prominence and your celebrity started with your beauty, but yet 
everything else you've done since then has not traded on that. Obviously, you're a successful actress and singer and dancer, and your your physical appeal is part of it. But it's how does that your personal brand that was always kind of stamped on there. So was there always a part of you like fighting extra hard? No, I'm not just this beautiful woman. I, there's, he, he, here's, oh, yeah. the, here's the pack. Here's the stuff, you know? That, especially because my parents valued education so much yeah. and not how you looked, you know, and hard work and not what, what you got by with because of your beauty and sweet talking, that I was always like, I'm going to impress you with my intelligence. I'm going to impress you with my talent. So that's always been like, one day I'll show you, one day I'll show you. So I've had the fire in my belly, but also uh, the the pressure of to bring the goods. I mean, the name of my touring company is More Than Meets the Eye because it's yeah, like I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to be in in uh, you know judged. Which of course you're judged through your whole life. That's part of being alive. You so know? so what is so what industry. is the Vanessa Williams brand? What is if I if I was going to ask you to describe your own brand? Now, uh, let's see. Um, it's a tough well, one. A, By the way, that's the toughest question anybody has to answer. And I, it's, it's the way I wrap up yeah. every interview, but I'm just, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, I would say adventurous and, uh, and bold um, to embrace whatever life has and be open to challenges. Um, you know, it's, um, I always talk about being judged, which is basically how I became famous. I was judged for- <laughs> Literally, yeah, that's- Beauty and <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> And it's also been the biggest, you know, and then I was judged being a scandalous beauty queen. And then I was judged, you know, being new at recording, you know, can she make a, a yeah. you know, is she a one hit wonder? So all these like uh, judgments that I've had to, I don't want to say break through glass ceilings, but just slash away with my sword uh, has made me really resilient, uh, but also allowed me to tell people who don't care about what people assume you are. You know who you are. You'll get a chance. Just be you, be centered and wait and you'll get your opportunity. So that's kind of, you know, I guess, I don't know what, what that means in terms of my brand, but it's, it's, uh, Having fortitude and not giving a fuck, really. I love it. Uh, Vanessa, I had the pleasure of an interview you 15 years ago on my CNBC show. It's been equally, if not more, enjoyable. I appreciate your time. The show is POTUS. W run, don't walk to see it. It's not going to be here forever. <laughs> it is It is really a treasure, and so are you. Thank, thank you for sharing your time, Vanessa. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Donnie. Stay Always well, great stay well and healthy, okay? Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to On Brand. I hope you were interviewed. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Vanessa Williams and our uh, Brands of the Week. And remember to st stay tuned for our next episode. And don't forget to download anywhere you get uh, um, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. Please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts and watch our videos on YouTube. You can download them there. And remember to also subscribe in YouTube and leave us your comments. We love hearing from you. Have a safe week. We'll see you next week on On Brand. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject. And then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate and review. I don't know about that with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.